Chapter Twenty Seven of Mothering on Perilous by Lucy Furman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Seven Transformation. Wednesday. Sad news again from Trigger about the babe. Nothing but pitiful little passel of bones, said the male boy, purely dying for lack of Blant. Blant's refusal to use his gun last night has spread abroad and creates great excitement. Trojan fotch him his revolver and he wouldn't tetch it or use it, is the talk flying about among the boys. Aimin' to let the Cheevers keep his land, done give up the war. Ain't going to make no effort to break prison. Never hear tell of no hero doing such a way. Achilles wouldn't, nor Hector neither. Evidently they feel bitter disappointment. They do not dare show it before Nucky, however, or even broach the subject in his presence. I called them in tonight and talked to them about the superiority of moral courage to physical, with, I fear, no great result. How terribly true are Paul's words, first the natural man, then, after what awful birth pangs, sometimes as cruel as those as Blant is experiencing, the spiritual saturday more and more distressing accounts of the babe minervy saxby says it won't hold out till the trial just lays and pines and moans you can count every bone in its body poor blant when he hears this as he certainly will will he regret that he did not use the revolver the trial is only ten days off but if the two years' penitentiary sentence is to follow, as everybody says it will, there will be no chance whatever for the babe. Even a two-week sentence would be too long. I had hoped that Blant's refusal to use his gun on the keeper might turn the tide of public sentiment in the favor of an acquittal, but that seems not to be so much as thought of. Nucky has apparently lost all hope and courage, and goes about in miserable, despairing silence. Probably it is as well for him that he is to leave school the end of next week, and shoulder the hard work and heavy responsibilities at home. Action may relieve his suffering of mind, but it is harder than I can say for me to let him go, and to know that I am giving him up for at least two years, probably forever. Indeed, when I think of the whole situation, the desperate condition of the Mars family, the dying state of the babe, the tragedy of a boy of Nucky's wonderful promise, having to give up schooling and bow his shoulders under a man's burden at twelve years old, I am tempted to wish that in some way, not of bloodshed, Blant could have managed to escape. Thursday Marbles is still in full sway. I have never seen the boy so fascinated by any game. They spend at least three-fourths of their playtime making money to buy marbles to play with the other fourth, for they continue to lose incredible numbers of them. I gave Jason a dime to buy his tenth set today. Geordie informed me as he started to bed a few minutes ago that he had enough money laid by now to take that trip to Virginia this summer and see his mother, and the world, and the railroad train. In spite of his talents, I wonder that he has managed to get that much together. Vacation is just a little over a month distant now, 
and Keats and Hen are already making great plans as to the work they will perform for Nervisty during the summer, and all the others who have homes are looking forward eagerly. A few, all my motherless ones, I hope, will remain here with me to attend to the gardening during the summer. I had, of course, planned for Nucky to stay with me, but pain takes the place of the pleasure I had anticipated. First Sunday in April Today Philip was a living monument to the transforming power of love, very clean, very much combed and brushed and collared and tied, with a large handkerchief, soaked in my cologne, held prominently in one hand, and an expression as decorous and pious as any ever achieved by Geordie Yance, he sat in church the very picture of elegance, the real direction of his thoughts being indicated by an occasional ardent glance across the aisle, where Dilsey, fairer, more saint-like than ever, kept serious eyes on the preacher. As I looked, I asked myself, can this be the boy who a few short months ago declined to perform the most rudimentary rites of the toilet, gloried in tatters, declared that, when a man steps in the door, looks flies up the chimney, denominated polite a lickspittle, asserted that he would rather take off his hat to a cow than a woman, and pronounced the story of his chivalric namesake a slander. This afternoon, however, came the grand climax. After the dishwashing, the cottage boys and ten wash-girls came quietly over to the cottage-yard and seated themselves on back steps and walk. As Hen ran through to join them, I inquired, "'What's going on?' "'Philip, he's a-aimin' to give a treat, and done asked all us boys and wash-girls to it,' he replied in an astonished voice, hurrying on. I, too, remembering the consistent selfishness following upon the declaration that, generous never put no bread in my belly, was astonished. A few moments later I stepped to the open window and looked out upon a surprising scene. Philip, as suave, knightly, and beautiful as his famous namesake could ever have been in the days when he sighed for Stella and all other women for him, was passing around a large poke of crackers, and another of brown sugar, and saying with graceful flourishes and insistent politeness, Eat all you can now, everybody. I got more still when you get through with this. There, Jason, wait till the girls is helped. Ladies first, son. Ain't you got no manners? Take some, Nancy. Eat a plenty, Rosabelle. Don't hold back, Narcissa. Here's a good lump, Dilsey. Now, boys, pitch in. You little fellows, Irie, Hen, Jason, take your pick first. The big boys waits till after you. I don't aim to see you run over. Don't be afeard, take all you need. Now, Tobby, Killis, Hose, Keats, everybody, dive in. Just eat all you can hold and fill up your bell stomachs. I love to see folks eat and enjoy theirselves. No, thank you, I wouldn't choose none myself. Druther see the rest eat. I spent thirty cents on them crackers and thirty-five on that air sugar. Dat gone, I reckon a man works hard for his money's got the right to spend it to suit him. Some folks ain't fitting to live, wants to eat up all they get theirselves. But I like to pass around mine, I do. It makes me happy. What's the use of living if you can't make folks see a good time? Gee, oh, I aim to make me a big grain of money this summer, so's I can give a treat once a month come next school. 
and I want every man jack of you, and ladies too, to come every time. Dad, burn old heck, generous never rent nobody. Almost unable to believe my eyes and ears, I stood murmuring to myself, and they say the day of miracles is past. Nucky alone was absent from the feast, visiting Blant. On his return there was a surprising change in his demeanor. He appeared to have shed several years of age and care, played boisterously among the yard, got into two or three fights, and a short while after we began reading tonight, leaped from his chair to the table, where he executed a wild war-dance, all of which distressed me not a little, and seemed perfectly unaccountable. The thought that he was sitting beside me, and leaning his head on my shoulder, for probably the last time, was eating into my heart, and his carelessness of the fact hurt me deeply. But, of course, parting means little to the very young. End of chapter 27